Are the body and its passions evil, something to be warred against and discarded and destroyed? Or are they misguided, in need of redemption and healing? On this episode of Physically Spiritual, we're going to explore the Church's tradition of asceticism, or the practice of self-denial and renunciation, but in light of what we can discover from God in reason and science, to discover how we can heal the body and the soul to become more and more the image of God in the world we're called to be. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. As we get started today, I want to remind you, if you want to find any of my writings, show notes, previous episodes, want some help applying the ideas from the show, you can join my coaching practice or find my blog at becomeagift.com. I'd also encourage you to download the Awaken app. The Awaken app is the best way to, to watch or listen to the podcast on Awaken Catholic, find music, talks, uh, a great community of support in the faith. Go to theawakenapp.io or find the Awaken app on, on the Apple Store or on the Google Play Store. Also, if you want to support everything we do here at Awaken Catholic, consider joining the Awaken Nation. The Awaken Nation is the patron community. For less than a cup of coffee a week, you can become a member of the nation and get previous con- or get uh, exclusive content and a deeper connection to everything we do here at Awaken Catholic. At Awaken Catholic, we're also partners with the Hollow app. Hollow is a Catholic meditation app that helps you find peace and grow in your spiritual journey. Go to hollow.app forward slash awaken to uh, find our partner link for the Hollow app. So we're continuing our series through the three-legged stool of spiritual growth. Uh, this three-legged stool has three spokes. Our previous two episodes, we've talked about the sacraments, and we've talked about prayer, or the church's sacramental theology and mystical theology. Now we're going to talk about asceticism, or ascetical theology, from the Catholic perspective. First, what's this weird word, asceticism, or the word ascesis? The Catechism defines ascesis as the practice of penance, mortification, and self-denial to promote greater self-mastery and to foster the way of perfection by embracing the way of the cross. Penance. Penance are it's things we do uh, to change and make up for the, the bad that we've done. Right? Making penance is making reparation for sin and also acts that reform our will that we've damaged through sin. Mortification comes from the same root as our word mortal, uh, meaning that we're going to die. So to mortify ourselves, it's a remembrance that we're going to die, that we're finite and dependent on others. We're not God. And also self-denial. Remember when we looked at the faculties of the soul in previous episodes, we talked about the disorder or the wounds that happen in the soul due to sin. So a lot of, especially early in the spiritual life, our, our passions, our desires are leading us to things that are unhealthy for us, things that are sinful. So there's a self-denial in the ascesis. Uh, in the Catechism, in paragraph 1734, it says, Freedom makes man responsible for his acts to the extent that they are voluntary. Progress in virtue, knowledge of the good, and ascesis enhance the mastery of the will over its acts. 
So the goal of ascesis is to increase the mastery of the will, meaning that our, our will is more and more directed by our reason, by what we know is good, and also by the virtues and grace that the Lord is giving us. And later in paragraph 2015 of the Catechism, it says, The way of perfection passes by the way of the cross. There is no holiness without renunciation and spiritual battle. Spiritual progress entails the ascesis and mortification that gradually lead to living in the peace and joy of the Beatitudes. This peace, this deeper silence, this harmony amongst all the faculties of the person in, in light of God's design. Right? This spiritual growth requires this growth uh, in our physical life, our growth in our relationship to everything around us that we're attracted to. So this is asceticism. Uh, but it begs the question, are health and asceticism compatible? Are health and asceticism compatible? Uh, I talked a few episodes ago about the Curie of ours as a model of holiness. And I, I mentioned in that episode that he had an extreme fasting practice where he just ate a few potatoes a week. Uh, but as a result, his, his body was damaged. He became incapable of digesting other foods. And when he was at, for example, events with other priests or things of that nature, maybe a public gathering, uh, he could get sick or wouldn't be able to eat the food that was offered. Um, so is this an ideal that we should all follow? I don't want to judge uh, the, the Curie of Ars ascetical practices. Um, I'm not going to put myself in that spot. But on the other hand, should we all model that, that kind of penance? I want to claim that, that there actually isn't a, a direct contradiction between physical health and spiritual growth, but they actually build on one another. I would just define health as the perfection of nature, meaning the ordering of nature according to God's design, the attainment of the cardinal virtues, and the healing and function of the body. So this is informed by philosophy and the sciences. So we, dis we discover the wellness of the body, the function of the body, by what's discovered through, through science, through medicine, through psychology. And wellness is function. It's not necessarily the, the surface characteristics we might uh, describe as wellness, but it's what does it truly mean for the body to function and flourish. On the other hand, holiness is the attainment of supernatural life. right? And this is informed by revelation, and we understand it through theology. It includes the attainment of the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. And these theological virtues are both from God and redirect us to God meaning it changes the end, it changes the end or direction. So the question, are health and holiness incompatible? I would say no. No, although our natural instincts, especially as wounded by sin, um, certainly can draw us to lower things, we can at the same time seek health and find the wellness and function of the body and simultaneously mortify ourselves and deny ourselves and, and, and grow closer to God. So there can be a compatibility between the two. I want to take you uh, in a walk through the catechism, like I did with the idea of asceticism, and talk about this relationship of uh, the body and the spirit. First, paragraph 365. The unity of soul and body is so profound that one has to consider the soul the form of the body. Right? The body and soul are one. They're one thing that's joined together. Meaning if, if we're harming our soul, we're also harming our body. If we're harming our body, we're harming our soul. 
Uh, so paragraph 364, the human body shares in the dignity of the image of God. It is a human body precisely because it is animated by a spiritual soul. So our body shares in our dignity. It shares in the image of God. Later on in the catechism, in the section about the resurrection of the body. So there, there's a lot of uh, different scripture verses that talk about the flesh, denying the flesh or the evil of the flesh. But when the, the, the catechism is talking about flesh, paragraph 990, it says, the term flesh refers in man to the state of his weakness in mortality. Uh, so the resurrection of the flesh, the literal formulation of the Apostles' Creed, means not only that the immortal soul will live on after death, but that even our mortal body will come to life again. So this idea of flesh in the scripture doesn't just refer to the body, right? This thing made up of cells and atoms, uh, this physical stuff. But it's when it's referred to referring to the flesh in a negative sense in the scripture. It's referring to the, the instincts of the body, the passions of the body that are the result of our fallen nature, the effect of sin in our human person, that, that malformation of the faculties of our soul. So when we're referring to the flesh, that's what we mean. And we know this later on, paragraph 1015, it says the flesh is the hinge of salvation. We believe in God who is creator of the flesh. We believe in the word made flesh in order to redeem the flesh. We believe in the resurrection of the flesh, the fulfillment of both the creation and the redemption of the flesh. <laughs> Right, this natural and supernatural perfection of our body through the cardinal and theological virtues. Our salvation is not just spiritual, it's also the flesh. I want to drive this point home even more. <laughs> All right, paragraph 1004. In expectation of that day, referring to uh, death, the believer's body and soul already participate in the dignity of belonging to Christ. Your body and soul both participate in the dignity of belonging to Christ. All right. And then the final paragraph, I'm done after this. <laughs> oh, no, one more after this. It says, paragraph 2288, life and physical health are precious gifts entrusted to us by God. We must take responsible care for them, taking into account the needs of others and the common good. Right, so our spiritual growth is not an excuse to neglect our health. And, and I would believe that when we understand what it really takes to be healthy, especially what we're discovering through contemporary science, there's plenty of asceticism in wellness uh, to, to help mortify our, our will to deny ourselves and grow in virtue. Now, this is a narrow way. This is difficult, and it's important because we're going to be drawn uh, to lower things, meaning we might be motivated to health, to wellness, uh, for reasons that aren't pure, maybe just for an appearance, for vanity, maybe for performance and glory, maybe for, uh, for uh, just maybe being able to be related to more attractive people. <laughs> maybe I think I, I can't have an attractive spouse unless I'm attractive or something like that. Right? So we can have these mixed motivations. And here's what the catechism has to say about that. It's a lot of catechism in this episode. Paragraph 2289. If morality requires respect 
for the life of the body, it does not make it an absolute value. It rejects the neo-pagan notion that tends to promote the cult of the body, to sacrifice everything for its sake, to idolize physical perfection and success at sports. By its selective preference of the strong over the weak, such a conception can lead to the perversion of human relationships. Right? So, so the good of the body isn't an absolute good in and of itself. It's good to the extent that we're disposing ourselves to receive the grace God gives us, to become the person we're called to be, to function and be healthy for the purpose of the kingdom of God. On the other hand, if we make it an end in itself, the church is calling this sort of a neo-paganism or, or, or a new rejection of Christian religion in which there's a cult of the body, a cult would be a worship of the body. And we, we, we do this by making the body the, the, the sole purpose of our life, right? Just being attractive or strong or performing well. All this is making ourselves a means to an end and ultimately uh, results in a perversion of the person. So at the heart of our growth needs to be the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. These are initiated by God, given to us, and direct us toward God. Um, so when we, we look at health or the perfection of the body, right, this is the attainment of the natural virtues, the cardinal virtues, temperance, prudence, justice, uh, fortitude. And it's also the, the healing and directing of our natural instincts toward God. Right? These, these natural instincts, they're formed by our experiences and the experiences of our ancestors. Right? Our body wants to survive. We're naturally directed toward life. And, and the things that are dangerous, the things that make us feel unsafe, we're repulsed by. The things that we think are going to, our body thinks are going to give us life, that make us feel safe, connected, and grow, we're attracted to. And, and this is the instincts of the body in this way. Sometimes these are, are misdirected from a spiritual perspective or from the end of the theological virtues like salvation, being in communion with God, doing God's work in the world, and sometimes they're not. Uh, so more and more, uh, the freedom is the power of the will by the clarification and lightening of, the, of our reason and, and the ordering of our passions toward what's good. That's virtue. The theological virtues, like I said, they direct us to a supernatural end. So by, by growing in faith, hope, and love, we're basically inoculating ourselves against this cult of the body that the catechism warns about. And we need to grow in that way. We need to, to continually grow in these uh, virtues. Faith, hope, and love, they're habits. Meaning it's something that God gives us, but it continues to grow. And it exists in the context of practice. And it can continue to grow stronger. So as we look at this kind of authentic asceticism, Right, directed to God, directed to the kingdom, but also including the health and healing of the body. There's a few uh, principles that I'm going to follow. Right, number one, like we've been talking about, authentic asceticism does not require damaging the body, but can bring about health and holiness simultaneously. Two, it has to be done in context. So ascetical practice should match and fit our story, avoiding possible pitfalls and addressing particular needs. You know, an example would be maybe if you've struggled with eating disorders, maybe fasting isn't a good idea. Uh, maybe there's particular wounds from your childhood um, or, or, or maybe an addiction you struggled with. And so all of that should be in the context of how you're making your choices of what ascetical practices to take on. I want to pull up the image 
that we've talked about from season one, uh, I talked to him about these trees because part of the context of our life includes addressing things from a root cause mindset. Here I have an, an image of a tree that I brought up in, in uh, season one of Physically Spiritual. And uh, this tree tries to illustrate this kind of root cause approach. So on the left, there's function. On the right is dysfunction. At the bottom, at the top of the, we have God putting down his grace on the tree. And that's uh, the sunlight from the, the, from the sun. And the dysfunction side, we have fear, which creates a cloud and blocks us from grace. The fruit, the fruit of, uh, of the functioning tree, of the integrated tree, is love and virtue, purity and health. The fruit of the dysfunctioning tree, the disintegrated tree, are sin and vice, impurity and disease. At the roots are our experience of wholeness, safety, healing, and truth. At the root on the opposite side of dysfunction are, are damage to the body, trauma, wounds, and lies, right? So the... So on the one hand, all this interacts with uh, us as an individual of image of God, meaning we're all created to be an image of God in the world, and the, our experiences are either clarifying that image of God or obscuring it. I have a, a second tree image here that tries to illustrate this, um, this dynamic in a little bit more detail. At the, the, we have these root causes of our sin, and these act as antecedents, triggers, and mediators. Um, an antecedent is something that sort of primes us or leads us up to whatever a damage is going to be. A trigger actually makes it happen. And a mediator keeps it from getting better. It sort of insulates us from growth. So all of this affects us as an image of God. We're either being divinized, becoming holy, or really becoming dehumanized, making us less than even human. Uh, right? We're, we're going to be a slave to our instincts, the same as an animal. This leads to an integration or disintegration of the person. This integration of the person uh, leads to a healing of our faculties, meaning a prudent reason, a just will, a courage against difficult things and temperance against attractive things. We'll be psychologically mature and se secure, physically healthy, and connected in our relationships. On the other hand, this disintegration, our, our uh, reason's going to be darkened. Our will's going to become evil. We're going to be weak in the face of difficult things, and we're going to have this concupiscence or uncontrollable attractions to attractive things. We're going to be psychologically immature, insecure, physically unhealthy, and isolated and disconnected from others. Right. So this uh, this prudent, really the virtues in health is the functioning of the human person. And in light of actions, then we're going to experience virtue. And on the other hand, if we have disintegration, we're going to be living in vice. So now all this hopefully makes sense. A few episodes ago, we talked about this, um, this chart of the faculties of the soul. And you see how, uh, how the function we see is expressed in the various cardinal and theological virtues. And the dysfunction is expressed in the woundedness from our sin. Uh, so all of this, like I said, is, is personalized, meaning we're taking a root cause approach. What's at the root of your struggles? What's, what's leading you? What are the antecedents, triggers, and mediators that are both priming you, that primed you in your past, that, that trigger you into the action, and that keep you from changing? And how can you change those root causes? Uh, remember, we want to avoid that one, one pitfall. In the first episode of the season, I talked about the three 
pitfalls to avoid. One of them was a psychologism, right? It just, I just need to talk about my problems and try harder, right? If I can like get it all out and then try really hard, then I can change. Uh, and what this doesn't quite get to the bottom of is that sometimes there's root causes um, that cause that need a, a change in behavior, right? action. Um, I need to attend to the lies that I believe, and, and I need to discover the truth either by study, by prayer, or by experiencing goodness from others. Um, there can be a root cause of, of trauma, psychological trauma, spiritual trauma, and, and that needs to be healed by the Lord's grace or, or by uh, counseling or, or some other intervention. There could be uh, some kind of damage to my body. Right? And so maybe it could be medicine or maybe it can be a lifestyle intervention that heals. But whatever the root causes are, addressing those can lead to the healing and the function of the whole tree. All right, so principle one is this integration of physical health and spiritual growth. Two is context, addressing the root cause in light of your life. And third is the Pareto principle. Introduced this in episode four, Physically Spiritual, the Pareto Principle or the 80-20 rule. Pareto was a man in Italy who recognized that 80% of the property was owned by 20% of the, the citizens of the country. Uh, but this rule has, or 80-20 rule, has played out in a lot of different areas of study. It's simply the idea that from 20% of whatever it is, 80% of the results come out. So I want to say that this Pareto Principle comes out in our physical wellness too that 20% of our activities and focus or what's out there in the wellness space uh, bears 80% of the results, right? So in the wellness scene or the self-help scene, that's really all over the place. You know, our world really struggles with this cult of the body that the catechism address. It's full of thousands of life hacks, gadgets, and get well quick promises. Uh, so I'm going to ignore the majority of these tips and tricks that are out there in this cult of the body that our world struggles with. Even though some of them might be helpful, you know, things like red light therapy, essential oils, or uh, various forms of sauna. While it might be helpful for some people and, and, and could certainly be a part of an overall wellness program for someone, they're not really the heart or the meat and potatoes of growth. So in the next seven episodes on asceticism, we're going to focus on both eating and fasting. So diet and not eating. We're going to focus on moving and resting or exercise and sleep. The third set, we're going to focus on connection, relationship with others versus solitude, finding that, that space of, uh, of really finding yourself. And then finally, stress management. Right? These are the 20% that lead to the 80% of the results. And so we're going to have an episode on each. Uh, so this brings us to the conclusion of our introduction to the three legs of this stool of spiritual growth, sacramental theology, mystical theology or prayer, and our ascetical theology, or this practice of self-denial and mortification. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by the Awakened Nation and the Hollow app. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. 
We here at Awaken all use Hello every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.